So in light of this week's news, I wonder how many of you feel safe or secure. I wonder when you look into the newspapers or television ad or headlines, if that's the way you feel this morning, safe, secure, your world is in control and you know what's coming in your future. I want to suggest that this morning there is no security that can be found in this world. And I want us to put our eyes on the one who brings the only foundation and the only comfort and the only security that we can find. And in light of that, as we see and hear of these tragedies of terror and awful expressions of evil, I think it would be good for us to just pause and pray, ask God to help remind not just us, but the world of the great hope and need, or the great need we have for a hope of deeper, lasting, and ultimate security. So if you would, would you join me in just praying with me? Father in heaven, we want to give you thanks for your word and the security that we can find in the hope you provide in Christ. We want to pray for those in Paris and in Beirut and in hundreds of other places that we probably don't even hear about where suffering and evil and injustice seem to be getting the final word. It leaves us sad. It leaves us hurt and longing for a place and a home where we can feel safe. Lord, we thank you that your word has made these truths clear, and we want to pray with all of our heart and might that you will not only comfort the hurting this morning over in France or in Beirut, we want to pray that you will comfort a lost and dying world that is suffering every day. And I pray that you'd hope, help by your Holy Spirit to convict and open the eyes of the blind to see see that this is not a lasting city. Its foundations will not last. The world is unraveling. So God, open our own eyes to see the foolishness of our own lives in the way that we live and putting our hope in this world. Help us to spread that message of good news and hope and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Point number one in the form of a question. Can you see that the world around you has no security? We've been studying the book of Hebrews for the last several weeks. And more particularly, this last few weeks, we've been looking at how our faith and our future hope make a huge difference in the way we live and think about the world around us. It could not be more timely, I think, for us to hone in on a particular theme. So in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews, if you don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open maybe the black ones around you. Chapter 11 can be found on page 1007. And on page 1007... We'll continue to look at different themes that this beautiful, amazing chapter gives to us about what a life of faith looks like. Really, how to live as a Christian, if you want to put it real simply. So if you're not a Christian here this morning and, and you don't know, well, what does it mean to be a Christian? You came to a perfect time to visit our church. 
And if you're wanting to just refresh and remind yourself, this is what it means to live and look like a Christian. That's what we're going to consider this morning in Hebrews chapter 11. And I want us to see that there is, there's no security in this world. It's not, it's not a lasting city. I'm going to start by reading the stories surrounding Abraham's life. So in chapter 11, verses 8 and following is where we're going to begin. So look with me. Chapter 11, verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed. When he was called out to go to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age she was considered him, she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had every opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Let's pause there. Friends, do you see what I have seen this week as I've looked again at chapter 11? That phrase stuck out in verse, um, in verse 11, no, 12, 13, sorry. In verse 13 and 14, we see all of these people died in faith. They didn't receive the things that were promised, like Abraham didn't receive the promise of seeing the thousands upon thousands of descendants. But he died in faith, and in verse 14 it says, he was seeking a homeland, a better country, a heavenly one. And in addition to that, we see in verse 10 that the reason why he had faith was he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, which then begs the question, what would it mean if he was in a city without foundations? See, that's the opposite here. If he's looking forward to a city that has foundations, then that means he was living in a city without foundations. All that we can see with our physical eyes can't bring us the ultimate and eternal security that we need. When we look with our senses in our eyes, we need to see that this world has no lasting foundation. There is a world, there is a city, there is a country that does, but it's not this one. Have you seen this? Have you looked around in the world and seen it has no physical foundation? About 100 years ago, majority of scientists said that matter and atoms, physical matter that makes up our 
physical beings and properties, that it was eternal, it existed forever. Now scientists completely reject that idea and say that atoms are in fact energy in motion, that atom isn't a solid thing but rather the movement of energy. And the reigning theory of our world today is that how it was started was a a massive explosion and that because of this explosion, the universe is ever expanding, that as it cooled, matter was formed in this movement of energy. So if we take these theories and ideas and for whatever extent it's true, scientists continue to tell us that the universe is ever-changing, ever-expanding, and it has no foundation. Because if that's how it began and it's continuing to do so, it's going to do so until we don't exist anymore. So friends, if we accept these ideas, then you need to come to the grips with their conclusions, with the reality of the consequences. That worldview means you have no lasting foundation in this earth. So whether we're a Christian or we're non-Christian, I want us to all come together this morning to realize that there are no foundations in the physical atoms and material existence that's in front of you, the things you can feel and smell and touch and taste. And I ask you, if that is your worldview, how can you be sure of anything? How can you be sure if the very universe and the very existence of your physical body is all unraveling around you? This means nothing that you do, nothing that you accomplish, nothing that you become will ever last. Because there will be a point where the whole universe will so expand to where there will be no universe and it will never be remembered ever again. There'll be nobody to remember it. So what does it matter? It doesn't. Not only does the physical world not have any foundations, but our intellectual world has no foundations. Have you you realized, if you've ever looked at philosophers and intellects, that over a hundred years ago, the very arguments that were being used to discredit the truths of Christianity were influenced by what's called the Enlightenment, which means reason and science and empirical evidences. These were the things that can figure out the problems of the world and that they, in fact, are the solution, and Christianity is a horrible solution. This is the enlightenment of a hundred years ago. Fast forward to today, and it is the same philosophers and people that don't like Christianity, but on different reasons, and they mock, and they rebuke, and they think that the early 18-1900 enlightened people are a bunch of idiots. The point is, when you look at intellectual academies and philosophies of the world, they're ever-changing and ever-growing and ever-increasing, and there is no foundation. You know, if you ever study in the academy and you're not relevant and you're using old books that are outdated, nobody's going to respect you. Like, get current with the recent research, whatever that field is, whether it's science, even in biblical theological research, well, you need to get update with the newest commentaries and Bible research and etc. Friends, the coolest thing about Christianity is that we can read something from to the two, three hundreds, to the early Reformation days. The foundation remains the same all throughout our faith. Our, our beliefs, our understanding don't change and shift. 
the intellectual foundations of this world continue to evolve and outdate one another. There is no foundation physically, intellectually. Friends, you have no foundation in your own being. I celebrated my birthday this week, and it's a great time for me to look back five to ten years and realize I'm ever-changing. I'm ever-growing older and soon to be more wrinkly and soon to be less able to walk around and move in the way that I'd want to. I can't exercise in the same way and not have multiple days of feeling extremely sore and fatigue. When I was younger, and even though I'm still extremely, you know, young and whatever in comparison, I imagine. (laughs) But I can already tell the difference. I'm growing old. I have no foundation. You ever look back at old pictures of yourself and either sigh, oh, or get depressed? Oh, man, I'll never look that way again. (laughs) Friends, that's because we're ever-changing and growing old. You have no intellectual foundations either. Think back five years ago and the decisions you made and the thoughts you had and the wisdom that you thought you had. And then now fast forward today. Don't you look back at the five-year version of you ago and say, I was an idiot. Or 10 years ago, or 15, or however you need to go, which means you never arrive. Which means you can't say, well, I'm 40 now, I'm 45, I'm 50, well, I've arrived, I have lived long enough to know I got it now. Now then you're going to turn 55 and say 50-year-old me was dumb, and then 60-year-old me was just as dumb, or, you know, looking, it's just, we go on and on, we're ever-changing. So, friend, if you're a non-Christian here this morning, I want you to see that there is no foundation in your own individual life, in the earthly, intellectual, psychological It's not here. Second question. Can you see that God has given us a city with foundations, with security? So question number one was, can you see that there is no security and foundation here? Question number two, can you see that God has provided a city that has security? For Abraham, in verse 10, was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. For people that were seeking a homeland, were seeking one that is a better country, a heavenly one. And these were the reasons why God was not ashamed to call their God. In fact, one of the most important themes that I want to make sure you get in chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is the contrast between the things that we can see with our senses and taste and feel and experience and the things that you cannot see. Look back at verse 1 with me. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. And then we had the story of Noah just read to us. Look at verse 7, by faith Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, In reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that that comes by faith. The story of Noah is a perfect illustration and example of a man who is living by the promises of God's word. Things that are not yet seen. Events like a flood. So go build an ark. And he obeyed. Why, Why in the world would you obey an 
command to build an ark in the middle of the land when it hasn't rained and there's no signs of flooding and all the world around you is saying like, you're crazy, man. What are you doing? Friends, Christians and people who trust in God trust in the reliability of unseen promises that have yet to be fulfilled rather than the world that they can see around them. So if you look around you and you see churches in America or the world that are struggling, are you depressed and discouraged? Oh, we're losing the battle. Secularism is winning. The church is shrinking. Less and less people are attending. America's going down the tubes. On and on we go. Or do you trust and do you see the promise of God who said, I will build my church? Which are you, friend? When you see evil and suffering and murder and terror attacks, sad, yes, devastated, not if you trust in the God who promised a day with there will be no more murder, no more evil, no more suffering. Can you see that? Can you look forward to that day when you see death? And look it in the face, not only in your own life, but in the friends and family members around you that die. Can you see the God who promised resurrection? Abraham did. Let's keep reading in chapter 11. By faith, in verse 17, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was an act was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Abraham offered up his one and his only son. Why? Because by faith he could see that there was a God who raises people from the dead. So he can look death in the face, and see resurrection? Can you look at loss, any kind of loss, financial loss, friends that you lose, loved ones, jobs? Can you look at loss in your life and by the promises of God see that you are still going to gain? Are you lonely and do you see the loneliness in your life? Do you wish you were married? Do you wish you had more friends or close discipling relationships? You see someone else and like, I want that. I don't have that. Friends, we're in a fallen, broken world with no foundations. See that there is a world where you will have an eternal family forever. And there will be no more cliques of people that are ignoring or rejecting or neglecting you. In fact, you'll see Jesus. When you see your sin... Do you hear the promise and see a day when there will be you with no more sin? Do you see how this works? What we see and what we experience so consumes how we live and how we make decisions, and the Scriptures try and make this crystal clear to us. This is not one of those things that's like, oh, I'm really having a hard time, Pastor Phil, of understanding. No, no, you're having a hard time living and doing, and living your reality as if this is true. 
Faith is kind of like a sixth sense when you think about it. Because so much of our world is consumed by living in the five senses. That's what we think is real and solid and tangible. If we can touch it, if we can see it with our eyes, if we can hear it and taste it. But faith is to say there is something that is more real than your five senses. It's not sixth sense like seeing dead people. It's a sixth sense of seeing God. Seeing the heavenly country, the better city, the foundations that are rooted in God. Do you live as if these promises are true? And what difference would it make if you started doing that today? Probably one of the most important paragraphs I've ever read in my life outside of the Bible came from a book that was quoting C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is known for his literary works, but he preached a sermon that was called The Weight of Eternal Glory. In that sermon, he has one paragraph that I think has helped transform my own life that I hope will be as meaningful to you all. What difference would it make if you trusted in the promises of God as being solid and real? It makes such a difference. C.S. Lewis says this, If we consider the unblemishing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised to us by Jesus. So, pause. You following so far? Consider, think much on the promises that God has given, the nature of them, the staggering nature of them. Then, he says, it would seem that our Lord finds that our desires for our personal joy and happiness are not too strong. It's that they are too weak. And that's the sentence that's like, what? What are you saying? You're, you're saying that all of us, our sin problems and our difficulties of living in this world are because our desires for ourself and our happiness are too weak? I thought selfishness was the main problem that we all have. That's what sin is, isn't it? We're so self-centered and we want joy and happiness for us and not for other people. C.S. Lewis wants to argue that your problem is not that your desires are too strong for yourself. It's that they are too shallow and that they are too weak. You don't want it enough. So he continues the paragraph and he gives a beautiful picture for us. He says, We're all like half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when Jesus Christ has infinite joy to offer us. Therefore, we are like ignorant children going on making mud pies in the slums because we cannot imagine what it would be like to have a vacation at the beach. We all are too easily pleased. Do you understand what C.S. Lewis is saying? You are too quickly gratifying the desires for joy and happiness. That's the problem. There is infinite, deeper, amazing joy that is offered in following, trusting, believing, and waiting for the day when Christ will return and the city that has foundations in its God who built it, the better heavenly country, 
will lead to everlasting joy, where there's pleasures at his right hand forevermore. Infinite pleasures forevermore. So it's not that you don't want pleasure enough. It's that you don't want the fullness and the depth and the weight of pleasure. So friend, I encourage you to examine your own heart this morning. Why are you choosing to continue in the sin patterns that you currently struggle with? It's not because your desires are too strong. They're too weak. You're gratifying them too quickly. There is bigger, better joy that is offered. And this is exactly what we see the way these people lived. By faith, they were able to forsake, like Abraham, his homeland, and leave, not knowing where he was going to go, because he knew that there would be a better city, a better homeland, a better foundation for his life. He put his security and his trust in God and not in his senses of sight and touch. Third and final question, we've asked, can you see that this world has no foundation? Friends, have, have you been convinced of it? Do you, do you see the trajectory and the sin and the pain and the struggles and the suffering? Aren't we freshly reminded of it? This city, this world has no foundations. Your life, slowly, eking, dying, Secondly, we asked, can you see that God has provided eternal, lasting, infinite joy and security in a city with foundations? So, thirdly, we need to ask, can you see how Jesus provides for that security? Can you see that? It's in chapter 12 because this whole chapter of Hebrews 11 is crescendoing, it's building, it's moving up to the final and great example of Jesus himself. Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. How? How do we not look as we run this race at all the things that we can see in this world and run faithfully to the end Verse 2, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. He is the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the author, and he is the perfecter of our faith. And that word author was a word we saw earlier in chapter 2, that it, it's the word archegos. It's, it means that he is like blazing a trail and going ahead where no one else has gone. Like the same way an author is writing a book that's never been written. He's, he's telling a story that's never been told. He's doing something that's never happened before. What is that? What is that trail that he's blazed? What is this author and this story that he's writing that's never been told? The God who asked Abraham to leave his temporary earthly home and trust in him for a better home is the same God who left the permanent, ultimate, secure home. He left his father's throne. So infinite and free. He, 
He came down and he was secure in heaven, but he left it. He did the opposite. You see, when you look to Jesus, you see we're supposed to look ahead to the future home that is in heaven that is secure and eternal and permanent. But what Jesus did was look down at our temporary, wasting away city without foundations, and he decided to leave his home and go down. He did the exact opposite. He flipped the whole world on itself. And by doing so, instead of continuing to preserve his safety and his security and his comfortability of what is familiar to him, he went as one exiled out of heaven, one who received suffering, endured suffering, and by his death on a cross and his resurrection from the dead, he now provides a path for us to go from exile to home, to return home, and to put our eyes on him and follow his journey to our forever home. Friends, I want you to see the amazing trail that Jesus blazed to provide for you a path home. This is not your home, so don't stay here in your mind, in your heart. Follow Christ's dying to ourself and giving up all that is earthly and follow him. If you're here this morning and, again, you're not sure what it means to be a Christian, you're not sure if you are a Christian, this is what it means. All that you have in this world is wasting away. So look by faith to Jesus who had everything and gave up and became poor for your sake. Trust Jesus Christ's death, burial, resurrection, ascension into heaven. If you're a Christian here this morning, realize that because of what Christ has done, you now have not just a great example, but a great substitute who has died in your place, and as you forever pursue following hard after Jesus, you can now receive eternal life and look for that home. So friends, what hope do we have to offer a world that is shaking and insecure and not sure when the next terror attack is going to come. It's by pointing to them the reality that this world never had security to begin with. No amount of military or wars, no amount of police, guns or no guns, all of those things are fleeting attempts of a fallen world trying to reach and grasp for security. It won't be found. Let's look to Christ, see that he has given us a city with foundations. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you this morning that as we gather this morning and as several other hundreds of thousands of Christians gather this morning, we have hope and we can live by faith in the future of what you have done for us through Christ. We want to thank you this morning that as we see, not just this week, but as we expect in the future, more acts of terror, more acts of violence, more troubling scenes of what's going to happen to us, our family, our loved ones, our city. 
Father, I pray that you'd help give us faith. We could say with the old hymn, let goods and kindred go. This mortal life also, the body they may kill, but God's truth abideth still. Thank you for your promises. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but your word stands forever. Thank you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.